Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I recently heard the story of Jessica Jackley. She's the co-founder of the website Kiva. It is an organization that makes small microloans to the poor. And uh, she talked about growing up in the church, going to Sunday school, and she heard about that we ought to be benevolent to the poor. But then she said, I, I kind of got in a, a twix between, because Jesus said, the poor you shall have with you always. So how do you help the poor without the poor just going down the road and buying a bottle of Jack Daniels or whatever? Um, y'all are so holy, you didn't even know what that was, did you? So how do you help the poor without the poor misusing it? But yet there are legitimate needs for the poor, but the poor will always be with us. So she started this website, this organization called Kiva, and she went to Africa first and spent several months there realizing there were people who were poor, but they didn't want to be poor. They wanted the opportunity to have businesses and, and companies and there were seamstress and there were goat herders and there were people who had stores and people who wanted to open stores and people who wanted to do this and that but they didn't have the revenue, the money, the capital to do that. So she came home, started the website and she put it out. She said, is there anybody out there that would like to help seven people who wanted to start a business? And before the night was over, she had the funds to give a micro alone to those seven businesses. And so the next year she kept this going and the next year she facilitated $500,000 to third world countries to help people in poverty, to get out of poverty. The next year she facilitated $15 million. The next year it was $40 million. The next year it was $100 million. In less than five years she facilitated loans, micro loans of $25 increments to the poor that wanted not to be poor $150 million. Well, to date, they've loaned over $1 billion in loans to the poor. They have a 97% loan repayment rate. Over $1.7 million have given to the poor through Keep Aside, and they've given out to 2.6 million borrowers. That was somebody who had a burden for the poor who did something and something could happen. Now, there's a lot of critics there, and everything is not always roses, but you do know that generosity is love in action. You can say you have love, but if you have no action to it, it's really not love. You can say, James says, I have faith, but faith without works is dead. And if you have faith, let me show you my faith by my works. We're not saved by works, but we have a faith that does work. How many are going to help me preach today? This is so important. This is going to change your life. Generosity is love. In action, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Carl Menninger, the famous psychologist, said this, generous people are very rarely mentally ill. Well, that's going to help me give more. <laughs> generous people are very rarely ever mentally ill. So how do we become a generous person? First of all, it has to start in our heart. We have to sense the need. We have to sense the person. We have to sense this. It also begins with our eyes. Not only do we sense it, we have to see it. So it's a heart thing. It's an eye thing. It begins with the heart, begins with our eyes. Are we sensing and seeing the needs that are around us? Generous people look for opportunities. They don't look for excuses. 
because there's enough excuses out there so generous people look for opportunities they don't look for excuses and if you see generosity is only an obligation you miss the entire point of scripture and the heart of God it's not just an obligation it's an opportunity it's the message that God's trying to show us and give us last night before Matt went back to Oklahoma City He's a lawyer there and practices law. And, and she was telling him the story about us being with Nathan for a few days. He was very sick and us coming home. And we stopped in Chickasha and we stopped at a restaurant that uh, Jason Hicks' dad had. Ed, and we were there. We were tired. We were pretty dejected. We were down, emotionally straught, kind of spiritually on empty. And Ed came over to our table and he began to visit with us and talk to us. And when we left to pay, the waiter, waitress said, I'm sorry, you're, or not I'm sorry, but it's a good thing, right? Said, Ed's already paid for your meal. You know, just the fact that somebody took some time and care and gave you a little generosity will help you out of a bad place. I can't tell you how many times we have a, we kind of have a deal here when we have a staff member that has a birthday. We all go out to eat together and in our birthday time we, uh, we, we gather with a cake and usually ice cream. We all go out to eat and I can't tell you how many times Mac Mackworth over to my left has seen the entire staff there and, and our posse in their eating and when we get ready to pay for that group, Mac they would say, don't worry about it, Mac took care of the tab. You know, every little act of generosity is always a blessing. And when you and I see and sense opportunities, it gives us the insight to know that we can follow the heart of God to allow God to use us in ways that sometimes you don't think that you can be used. Let me give you four things this morning. Get a pencil and paper out. Four things that we know about generosity and generous people. Here's number one. Are you ready? Somebody say amen. Okay, half the congregation is ready. You ready? Generous people set themselves up for increase. Generous people set themselves up for increase. There are natural laws and there are spiritual laws. Let me say that again. There are natural laws and there are spiritual laws. Both laws are in effect. You may try to defy them. You may try to negate them. And you may try to say they don't exist. But let me challenge you. If you go up to the steeple or the cross of this church, which is almost 100 feet in the air, you can defy the law of gravity all the way down. But you're going to have a sudden, sudden realization that that law will be in effect. Got to hear an amen. amen. So spiritual laws, natural laws are in effect. Proverbs 11, verses 24, 25. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but it comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now look at verse 25. A generous person will prosper. Say that with me. A generous person will prosper. This is the law of sowing and reaping. I know a little bit about sowing and reaping. We plant wheat, we plant crops, we plant hay. Sometimes we plant hundreds of acres. And let me ask you a question. If I take the seed, hold it, or if I plant it, in a few months will I have more by holding the seed or will I have more by sowing the seed? By sowing. Why is that? That is a natural, physical law. Now here's the good news. Even after the flood, even after the rainbow, this is what God said. The law of sowing and reaping will continue to the end of this world. You do know that, don't you? That the, the element 
And the law and the concept and the precept of sowing and reaping will continue until this world is over, wrapped in sheets of fire. So therefore, you and I are engaged in that. Now, Paul picks this up, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He said, remember this. Now, he's not originating this. He says what? Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. Whoever reaps bountifully or sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. So what's he saying? This law of sowing and reaping is absolutely reality. Now go back to the first verse. Paul said the churches in Macedonia, even in the midst of a severe trial, when they don't even have the resources, did above and beyond what they could do because the grace of God was on their life. Now, when you and I look at this law, it is a spiritual law, but you and I are locked in to carnal bodies. So you have to move out of your carnality to understand the reality of the spiritual. First Kings, if you want to turn there, you can. Chapter 17, verses 7 through 15, we have an amazing story. You will know this. Elijah went to the king because of the sins of Israel, said it will not rain again until I say so. Now, it hasn't rained in about close to three years. He goes to a brook when that drought starts, and he is sustained there supernaturally by God. The brook dries up. And then the Lord says, I'm sending you to a little town by the name of Zarephath. The, the, the term Zarephath of the town means refiner or smelters, where they either refine gold or silver or ore. We don't know what, but that's what the, the, the literal meaning of the town means. He said, there is a woman that I have there that's going to sustain you. God chose one of the most vulnerable people to, to sustain the prophet. Now, who was it? It was a widow. Her husband had already died. She has a young son. So this is a single mother that Elijah goes to. And when he finds her, this is where she's at. She's outside picking up sticks, not logs, sticks. She's rummaging for whatever she can find to build a fire to cook their last meal. She has a jar of flour she has a jug of olive oil, and she says, I'm going to cook this last meal, and my son and I are going to die. It's inevitable. People are dying. My husband's already dead. And I thought about this. Do you think maybe that husband said, I love my wife and my kids so much, I'll go first and let them have the rest? That's a loving father, right? That's a loving husband. So here Elijah is. He shows up, and... He says, what are you doing? Well, I'm gathering sticks. We're going to have our last meal. And he had the audacity. How many of you know preachers are weird? I deserve a better amen than that. Preachers are just weird. And the preacher says, the prophet says, go cook me something first and you guys can have what's left over. How would you like to bend the single mom? I was thinking as I read this, she was thinking, I'd like just to smack you. How dare you come in here and request that of us. I am fixing the last meal for my son and we're going to die. And then the prophet says, cook me something first. Now, 
Elijah makes this situation worse. Now, it can't get much worse because it's the last meal they're going to die. He makes it worse. Can, can you feel the tension he creates in this scenario? This woman can either do what he said or not do what he said because she knows how much flour, how much meal is in that jar, that container. She knows how much olive oil is in that jug or that pot. He doesn't know how much is in there. And immediately he, he creates tension in an already very hard place. She has the right to either believe him or not believe him. But here's the amazing thing about this story. She believes him. She goes in, she takes the meal out of the jar, she takes the oil out of the pot, she cooks him something and brings it to him. Verse 14, let me read it to you. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. This is the word of the Lord. You can either believe it or not believe it. She believed it. She actually believed it. She went in and she cooked the meal and she gave it to the prophet Elijah. She goes back in and looks at the jug and the jar and guess what? There was just as much there as there was before. And I don't know where in this three and a half year drought it was, but here's the good news. The Bible says from the time this happened, her jar and her jug never went dry. Miracle. Why? She chose to believe the word of God. Psalm 112 verse 5, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely. You see, we have a natural aversion to some of these things, but when the word of God says this is the word of God, then we have the option to either believe or reject, which brings us to number two. Generosity is a faith issue. Write it down. Generosity is a faith issue because it makes no natural sense. Now, I originally heard the story of Bill Hybels telling about this journey of faith and generosity that he went through. He was a, he was a teenager. I'm going to guess uh, 17, 18, 19. I don't think he was quite 20. And he said there was a meeting maybe about 100 miles, hour and a half or so away from where he lived. And there was a young man who was a missionary. And he said, I wanted to go listen to this guy because he wasn't much older than me. And he had to work, uh, you know, overseas. And so I got in the car and I drive to where this meeting is. And I listened to the guy and he was amazing. I mean, he, he was telling about what they're doing in missions. And, and at the end of the service, the pastor got up and he said, let's take up an offering to help him with his mission work. So Bill Hyville says, I wanted to give to him. So I opened my billfold and I have one $20 bill. I have no other change, no, no other coins. I have one $20 bill. And he said, here's my dilemma. I wanted to give to him, but the road that I'm going home on and I, I'm coming in on is a toll road. And so I need about a dollar and some change to get through the toll booth to get where I'm going back home. And he said, man, I struggled. Has anybody ever struggled in giving? Okay, I'm going to talk to these people over here. Has anybody struggled in giving? 
Absolutely, we've all done that. If you're a human breathing here today, you've struggled with this because this is a very natural response. And Bill Hybels said, uh, I really wanted to make change for this 20 so I would have enough money to get through the toll booth back home. But he said it would be so creepy to get the offering and start making change out of it while they're passing it. But he said, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, if you'll give it, I'll take care of the toll. Isn't that amazing? He said, here I am, just, you know, late teens, early 20s, and I hadn't got this down yet. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me, if, if you'll just do what, you know, you feel like doing, I'll take care of the rest. So Bill said, I put the $20 bill in the offering, and then I got in the car to drive home and said, what did I just do? Have you ever felt like you were duped? Come on. Or, or someone sold you a bill of goods and you fell for it. And he, he said, you know, I really felt like that's what the Lord wanted me to do. So I put the $20 bill in. But he said, all the time I'm driving back, I know I'm going to have to go through this toll booth. And he says, I don't know what they do when you don't pay your toll. I don't know if they give you a ticket, if they fine you, if they confiscate state confiscate your car. I don't know if they arrest you. He said, I don't know. I, I've never been through a toll booth. And I didn't have the money. So he says, I'm dreading this. I, I'm coming up to the toll booth. There's a lady in the, uh, the booth there. The window opens up. And he said, I immediately blurted out. said, I don't have any money for this toll. I mean, he said, my conscience was so <laughs> bad at this point. I just said, I don't have any money here. And she said, son, it's your lucky day. The guy who just went before you said, hey, I'm going to pay my toll, and I want to pay for the next guy that's coming behind me. Yeah. How many of you know it wasn't his lucky day, it was his blessed day? You see, sometimes when we hear this and we see this and we see the principles and we see these faith issues here, we have to really step out of our flesh, right? We got to get into the spirit to say, I believe the word of God is true. This is a huge faith issue. And it will always be a huge faith issue. You see, when we look at this, we see the fact that this issue goes on and on and on, and we have to realize this is a huge faith issue. Uh, Malachi, if you have your Bible there, turn with me, please. We're going to go to Malachi chapter 3. This is a verse that you are very, very familiar with. And uh, when the Lord speaks to the people there in Malachi, this is what he says. He said, will a man rob God? And they're looking at each other and so, well, no, you can't rob God. God's in heaven. There's no way we can rob God. And God's response is, you've robbed me in tithes and in offerings. In verse number 9 of chapter 3, he said, You're cursed with a curse. You've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring in all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now uh, herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither the, 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 the vine cast fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord. And all the nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be delightsome, or you shall be a blessed land and this is the word of the Lord this is what the Lord of the host says now when you look at this this is what he's trying to convey he says when you do what you should do when you have a spirit of generosity he says your response 
evokes another response. How many of you know that's true? And this is what God says. If you will do what you're supposed to do, if you will be a generous person, he said, number one, watch this. He said, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. Now, one of the things that you've really got to get this down and, and got to understand this, God is, he, he's asking us something here. He says, test me, prove me, try me. Test me, prove me, try me. Depending on what translation you have, he says, test me, prove me, try me. He says, if you do this, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. What kind of blessing are you going to get? A blessing that you cannot contain. Oh, this is sounding good to me. I think I can contain a whole lot. How many of you think you can contain a lot? But he says, I'm going to bless you with a blessing so large, so magnificent that you can't contain it. So if you can't contain it, what happens to it? It overflows. And so therefore, if it overflows, now it's not only affecting you, but it's affecting the people around you. You get into a Father Abraham condition. I will bless you to make you a blessing. I'm going to bless you to make you a blessing. So God says, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. Do you know there are windows in heaven? I'm going to give you this great blessing from the windows of heaven, and it shall come into you so much so it overflows and it affects the people around you. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. Now, he says, not only is that going to happen, but I will rebuke the devourer from you. You do know the devourer comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Not only to kill and destroy, but to what? Steal. He will steal from you. And the Lord said, I'll rebuke the devourer from you. So what you have and, and who you're with and what you've planted and your business will be greater and larger and more profitable because you do this. And this is where your carnal mind kicks into gear. How can I give it away and yet have more because it's a spiritual law, not a natural law? And he says, and all of the other nations around you, the people around you, will look at you and see the blessing I put on you, and they will acknowledge that you're blessed. I said this in the early service, and I wanted to share it with you. In the 30s, in Europe, much of the industry and the banking and the wealth was controlled by the Jews. How many of you knew that? It was more than an ethnic purging. They wanted the money that the Jewish business bankers and people had. So Hitler wanted to confiscate the money that they held and you say, well, how could they have that blessing when they don't even believe in Jesus? The principle works even if they don't have the right thought about the Messiah. And it's worked for them for generations. If you and I went to Wall Street, to the banks, and we went to the lending institutions, and the place where the money is transacted, the greatest place in the world, do you realize you would hear and see a lot of Jewish names on those buildings and in those corporate offices and in those banks and across Wall Street? Why? They understood the concept. Which goes all the way back. How can a person sow but yet still have the more and you withhold and it gets to poverty? Because it's the spiritual concept. You see, what happens here, this is a faith issue. How many of you know this is a faith issue? Here's another aspect here. 
When you and I are a person that's of generosity, when we are a giver, when we're generous, we take on the nature of God. We take on the nature of God. Third thing, we take on as generous people the nature of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If we believe in him, we should not perish but have everlasting life. If you are a generous person, you take on the nature of God. The greatest giver is who? God. So the greatest lover is God. The greatest lover is God. So the greatest giver is God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. So you and I take on his nature when we give. Peter said this, that we're partakers of the divine nature. If you're going to be a partaker of the divine nature, what does that mean? Then you and I must become, 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 say that with me, become a person of generosity. Because you don't start out being a person of generosity. Your flesh programs you the opposite. You started out that way. You said, no, wait a minute, Pastor. I'm a good person. I didn't start that way. Oh, yeah, you did. Because when you were two and that other two-year-old came in the room and y'all wanted the same toy, you didn't say, oh, please, let me give it to you. <laughs> did you? Matter of fact, both of you are tugging for the same toy. And if you get it, you're liable to bean the other one over the head. <laughs> Why? Because when you fail and I fail, when man fell in the garden, we have this sin nature that made us not very generous. Matter of fact, when we were wet, we cried. When we pooped our britches, we cried. When we were hungry, we cried. When we wanted our way, we cried. We, 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 we throw tantrums in the aisle of Walmart. We, we, we cry as we're being pushed down the grocery store because we're grabbing this and we're grabbing that. We're not putting stuff on the shelf. We're taking it off. How many, did I lose you? Your nature, listen, your nature, my nature, and I know you love your kids and I love my kids and you love your grandkids, but there may be a moment with your kids and your grandkids that this thing kind of comes out and you realize they need to be made to be generous. I need to tell them they need to say thank you, which was last week's installment, right? Make me a thankful worshiper. Well, today, make me a generous person. Because if I become a generous person, guess what? I take on the nature of God. Jesus came to lay down his life. What's he doing? He's showing us this nature of generosity. You and I can be generous people, but we have to be made to be generous people. How many of you understood that? This gives us the last one. What about us realizing, number four, generosity is much more than money. Generosity is much more than money. See, a lot of people get hung up on money. You know who usually gets hung up on money? The people who don't have any. Everybody okay? But, but generosity is more than money. What about, listen, what about you being generous with your words? 
Could we develop a generosity with our words to be thankful, to be complimentary, to be positive? Do you love being around those people who are always negative? Oh, goodness gracious. It drives me crazy. Well, that won't work. They're, they're always approaching everything from the negative, the negative, the negative, the negative. What would happen if you and I had words that were positive, words of thanksgiving, words of compliments, words that would build people up, words that would help people, words that would say, good job, uh, you know, great dress, uh, you look good. Uh, we, we could say, you know, a hundred different things. How about the generosity of attitude? Generosity of attitude. What about a kind attitude? What about a cooperative attitude? Are y'all processing here? What about an attitude where you are giving yourself to someone maybe just in time? The, the, the generosity of your time. The generosity of your advice, if they ask for it, okay? <laughs> the generosity of your expertise, the generosity of your years, the generosity of, of your wisdom, the generosity of your knowledge. You see, there's a lot of ways we can be generous that has nothing to do with money. Because most people think it's all about money, 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 money. Uh, I, I was reading last night about uh, Howard Hughes. How many of you remember Howard Hughes? Howard Hughes was kind of an anomaly in the fact that his dad was, uh, you know, in the old business and kind of had some things going on in Texas, but Howard took it and, and, and exponentially blew it up. I mean, this guy was in oil and gas and in oil fill equipment, and he was in aviation and hotels and casinos. I mean, he had a plethora of business investments, and during his day, he was one of the richest men in the world, a billionaire, but he was a little creepy. Right? I mean, this guy was antisocial. He thought everybody was out to get him, trying to hold on to everything he had. His hair grew long. His teeth rotted out. He's a drug addict. This guy had a horrible existence. And, and I don't know if he has heard this, but there are no U-Hauls behind hearse. There's no pockets and shrouds. But someone says, well, how much did they leave? They left all of it, okay? Didn't take any of it with them. But this is what we're doing. We're laying treasure up in heaven, right? Now, I don't know if you believe that. This is for the believers, okay? So if this is a faith deal, which it is, right? Point number two, this is all about faith. If this is a faith thing, then this is the words of Jesus that when we are generous people, when we're people of liberality, we're laying up treasure in heaven. There's nothing wrong with having it on earth if you get your priorities right, okay? Nothing wrong with that. This is what you're going to hear people say. Well, the Bible says money is the root of all evil. It don't say that, you ill-equipped biblical scholar. It does not say that at all. Money is amoral. It's neither good or bad. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money has nothing to do with it. It's the love of it that has everything to do with it. So here Howard Hughes is trying to hold on to all of this. And here he is. He's kind of weirded out in his last days. And then he dies. 
And here's a tribute to him in his casinos and hotels. They had a moment of silence. So all the little old ladies with their cups of quarters and all the bunco tables and the crap tables and everybody playing poker, they stop for one minute in memory of Howard. And then when it's over, they start cranking the lever again. We're off to the races. What a sad way to go. What a sad way to go. Not sad that he's a billionaire. Not sad that he made money. Not sad that he was brilliant with aviation and oil and gas and casinos and hotels. The sad part of it is he didn't get it. But here's the deal. We don't need to be in the church. We don't need to be believers and not get it. Because we understand that this is a spiritual, this is a spiritual, this is a spiritual law that we have to understand that whatever we sow, we reap. And whatever you sow, you get more back than you sow in the reaping, right? So it's more than just about money. It's about being generous with your smile. Being generous with your hospitality. Being generous with your friendship. Let me tell you something. I was visiting with someone the other day, and uh, they're fairly new to the church. And, and uh, so I'm greeting out here the other day, and they're actually here this morning. And I said, so good to see you. We're glad you're back. And they said, my kids got up this morning and said, are we going to go to church today? I want to go. You know why? Great experience. How many of you know you ought to feel better when you go to church than when you leave the church? How many of you have been in the church you felt worse when you left than when you came? I've been to that church. I felt worse when I left. Now, nothing wrong with being challenged. Nothing wrong with preachers stepping on your toes. It's a pretty poor sermon that doesn't step on my toes somewhere. Okay? I want to be challenged. I, I want to be pushed out there to be the person that I can be. But we want to be in a community. We want to be in a fellowship. We want to understand these spiritual principles that this is very much a faith issue. This is more than just money. Can I hear an amen? This is taking on the very nature of God who is the greatest lover. Therefore, he is the greatest giver. You remember the story, and I'll end with this. Years gone past, the guy who is carrying the water, and he has the yoke on his back, the big wooden stick, and he has a jar on each side. He'd go to the well, fill up the jars of water, and carry them in. And he did it two or three times a day for the household function, operation. And one of the jars had a crack in it. And as they would go up to the house from the well, water would trickle out of that jar. And the jar spoke to him one day and said, I'm so sorry. I just sometimes don't always hold my water like I should. That happens if you're after 60. But uh, um, Now you're, you're going to remember the sermon today. 
said, said, I just don't hold my water like I should. And so the, the man said, hey, do you know why I haven't replaced you? It's because look along the pathway of all these beautiful flowers. And every time I carry water to the house, you water all these flowers. You see, if you hold everything in, we have a word for it. You become stagnant. You know what happens when you become stagnant? Green stuff starts growing in your life. And all these wiggly things start hatching inside of you. And they turn into blood-sucking things. But, but it isn't it better when there is the fresh flow that's going through our life. And, and here's the wonderful thing about it. When God opens up the windows of heaven... Picture God in heaven. He, he's throwing the sash up. The windows are going up. And he takes his shovel and he starts shoveling the blessings out the window. And guess who's underneath? That's you and that's I. And, and we're there and he's shoveling out the blessings. And we become not only the blessed, but we become the ones who give out the blessings because there's a flow that starts in our life. God, make me a person of generosity. Because none of us started there. Trust me. And wherever you are on that road, whether you're just starting or you're down the road, all of us can improve. Because if the Lord is making us, shaping us, molding us into people of generosity, then we'll be better tomorrow and next week and next month than we are today. God's the greatest lover. He's the greatest giver. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that if we believe in him we should not perish but have everlasting life. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but the world through him might be saved. And if we don't believe in him we're condemned already. So we believe in him. Why? Because it is the gift. Salvation is the gift of God. The generosity of God. The generosity of God. The generosity of God. God make me a, a, a more gracious generous father. Make me a more gracious, generous husband. Make me a more gracious, generous friend. Make me a more gracious, generous believer. Make me, make me, make me. And guess what? The promise is that he will. And the promise is that your return will be greater than your gift. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.